Praise God. Are you ready to go to the Word this morning? Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We love you so much, Lord, and we love and treasure and honor your Word. So as we open it up right now and we begin to read from it and glean the truth therein, I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts and minds that comprehend and understand what the Spirit is about to say to the church, and that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake, and not allow that enemy of our souls to hinder the proclamation of the word, or hinder the hearing and receiving and doing of it. So Father, as I open my mouth, I pray that you would fill it with words of life, and as that word goes out, that it would hit its mark. It would not return void, but it would accomplish the purpose for which it is sent, and that it's planted in the good soil of people's hearts where it would produce a harvest of righteousness for your namesake. I pray, Lord, that just as John the Baptist once prayed and, and proclaimed about himself, that I would decrease today, Lord, that you may increase, that as I speak, people would not hear a man, but they would hear your Holy Spirit speaking to each heart as they're hearing physically the, the voice of a man, that they would hear spiritually your voice talking to them. And that we would not just be hearers of your word, Lord, but we, we would be responsive to it. Lord, please help us to have the, the gravity of understanding that as we're hearing the word this morning, we're responsible what we do with it. So help us to be doers of your word, not hearers only. And for these things, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Would you turn to our master text this morning for this new series that I'm starting today called The Remnant? And if you don't know what that word is, I'm going to explain here in a moment. But our master text is Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 19 through 25. So I'm going to give you a minute to find that. Um, but as you're finding it, I thought it would start out with a, a little lightheartedness this morning. Before you stand, I, I know you all are used to standing as I read the word. But give me a minute as, as we're all finding it. Uh, I thought I'd start out with a little lightheartedness this morning and uh, read some of my favorite church bulletin failures. <laughs> I found a bunch of these. I'm only going to read three of them this morning. I may share some more in subsequent teachings. But I love these. Here's the first one. Uh, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> what kind of church is that? All right, here's another one. Um, at the Methodist Church on Wednesday night, a song fest will be hell at 6 p.m. <laughs> what a difference one letter makes. <laughs> right. Well, so don't go to that Methodist church. That don't go to that song service. Woo. And here's one of my favorite ones right here. Remember in prayer those who are sick of our church. <laughs> That's why I do the bulletins myself. And I have a couple of guys that proofread for me too, so praise God. All right, stand up and let's honor the reading of God's Word. We'd like to show great honor and reverence to God's Word around here. So we're going to read uh, Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. 
Okay? It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly, unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Praise God. Now, again, I'm calling our teaching this morning the remnant, and I know that that master text Uh, said nothing about the remnant, so why did I choose to call my teaching that? Well, I'll get to that in a moment, but first I want to talk a little bit more about this master text and discuss why the church exists, because there's four uh, lines, four points in that master text that give us insight about why the church exists. And here's the first one, verse 22, talks about drawing near to God. The church helps us to draw near to God. Secondly, It helps us to hold firmly to our hope in Christ, verse 23. And verse 24, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And then likewise, verse 25, to encourage one another. Those are four reasons right there why the church exists. But we could even go beyond that from other parts of Scripture. Um, The church also exists because of the importance of praise and worship, worshiping together. You know, worshiping together like what we just did, there's power and encouragement in that, isn't there? We could also talk about the importance of the proclamation and the teaching of God's Word, which verse 23 makes loose reference to. You know, the teaching of God's Word helps us to hold firmly to our hope in Christ. And the church also, of course, helps to equip believers for advancing God's kingdom in the earth. This is an equipping center to help you to advance God's kingdom in the earth. And likewise, the church also exists to help us build our faith. Romans 10, 17 says, who who knows that by heart? Who knows Romans 10, 17? What's that say? I heard somebody whispering it. You're a little, little bit meek and meager in the way you were saying it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so that's one reason the church exists is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, by the way, um, according to that verse, Romans 10, 17, you've got to have someone proclaiming the Word and you hearing it in order for your faith to grow. So, yes, there's value in reading the Bible. Don't get me wrong. There's infinite value in reading the Bible. But there's also additional benefit to hearing someone proclaim the Word and you hearing it, and that builds your faith. Amen? So that's another benefit of the church right there. But let's go now to talk about this word remnant. And I want to ask the question as we define this term, are you a part of the remnant? All right, so let me give you a a foundational verse uh, that uses that term, Romans 9.27. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, and then the apostle Paul, who wrote 
Romans, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes on to quote the book of Isaiah. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved. All right, so what is the remnant then? Well, that word remnant that was translated into English as remnant is actually in this particular verse in Romans, which is the New Testament, which was written in Greek. So the Greek word there is katalima, katalima. And it means a small residue, and by implication, a small few or a remainder. Now, if you could think about it like this, it's like spilling something on your kitchen counter and wiping up the excess, and there's still a little residue left behind. I mean, you can see this where the spill once was, but it's just a little residue that will dry on its own in a minute or two. Okay? So, it means a very small remainder, because the residue compared to the original spill is a very small remainder of the moisture. Are you following me so far? Okay, so, so the word remnant means a residue or a very small remainder. So I'm going to give you four characteristics here in a minute of remnant people, but I first want to give you a, a New Testament application of that word remnant, because the Apostle Paul in Romans 9 here is actually quoting the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah, but now I want to give you a New Testament application to that word, and that's found in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Now, this is a sobering passage right here. Listen very carefully to this. I've emboldened and capitalized some of these words to bring some emphasis. So it says this, enter through, this is Jesus speaking, by the way, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life. And only a few find it. Now here's why that's a sobering truth. The masses believe that most people are going to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that a very small few compared to the masses are going to make it. So it says again in verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. What's the narrow gate? Jesus. The narrow gate's the, Jesus. The, the wide gate is your own personal self-righteousness. You, you trying to, to work your way to heaven through your good deeds without Jesus, without the church, without, without the Bible, that's not going to cut it. You have to enter through the narrow gate, which is Jesus. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many enter through that wide gate. The cultural Christians, the people that like, hey, I'm good the way I am. I don't need Jesus. I don't need the Bible. I don't need the church. They're not going to make it. Verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life. And only a few find it. Sobering verse right there, isn't it? It's talking about the remnant. It's talking about the remnant. So I want to give you some characteristics of remnant people right here. Characteristics of remnant people. And the first one is this, ladies and gentlemen, that they are diverse in background and united in belief. You know, Revelation 5.9 says that those who are going to be part of the kingdom of God are from every tongue and tribe and background. So you'll notice that 
In the imagery that I'm using on the screen there, I have you know, the little figures of people there represented by all the colors of the rainbow. And by doing that, just so you know, I am not promoting the LGBTQ uh, you know, rainbow people, right? Um, that's not why I did that. I did that because we're all very different. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is gonna be represented in the kingdom of God. Uh, so we are, remnant people are diverse in background but united in belief. Now, by the way, since I mentioned LBGTQ, uh, may I just go on record here by saying that we have no ax to grind against the homosexual community. We love everyone regardless of the sin. Uh, we've, we were all steeped in sin at one time of various kinds, and the Lord saved us from that. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, it, it mentions homosexuals along with every other kind of sin and said, that's what some of you were past tense. So we have no axe to grind against the homosexual community. We love those people. However, having said that, we cannot come into alignment with that lifestyle. Okay? Uh, we will not, in spite of what the culture is trying to ram down our throats, we cannot celebrate something that God calls an abomination and perversion. We will not celebrate that. Well, again, we love those people. No ill will toward them but we cannot celebrate something that God calls perversion and an abomination, okay? Let me give you another characteristic of remnant people right here. They are people of the word. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Remnant people are serious about the word. Remnant people devour the word. They, they read the word, they study the word. Uh, the, the scriptures tell us to study, to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to be somebody who's rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If all the word you ever get is on Sunday morning from me, you're starving to death spiritually. You've got to feed yourself throughout the week, and then this is kind of like the banquet that we serve up on Sunday mornings, but you've got to have some meals throughout the week, for goodness sake. And then when you do that, then when you are a student of the Word of God, if I happen to say something that is not quite on, theologically correct, you'll know it right away. Instead of swallowing it hook, line, and sinker like a lot of people do who don't know the Word, who are easily deceived. It said of the Bereans that, that uh, they were more noble than the Thessalonians. This is the book of Acts. Because the Bereans listened to the teachings of the great apostle Paul, but then they went to the Old Testament scriptures and said, okay, let me, look, let, me, let me look this up for myself and make sure that what Paul is telling me is true. They were people of the word, okay? They're people of the word. They're committed to the word. They're committed to, to knowing the word and applying and living by the word. That's another characteristic of remnant people. Let me give you a third one. They are committed to walking by faith. Write that down. <clears throat> They're committed to walking by faith. I already quoted Romans 10, 17, which says faith comes up by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I want you to understand, folks, that we may be coming into a time in this nation where walking by faith will no longer be an option. Did you hear what I said? There may be a time that's coming that walking by faith will no longer be an option. You may have to trust God for your money, where your next meal is coming from. Yeah, but you may have to trust God to protect you uh, where your health is concerned, uh, where your children are concerned. There's so, you know, 
just bumping along in life and hoping that things will, will work out is not the best way to live your life. We walk by faith, not by sight. So we've gotten away, a lot of people have gotten away with for a long time not walking by faith and not learning how to walk in faith and not really even caring. But we may be coming into a time where walking by faith is not an option. And that's why you will hear me talk about walking by faith fairly frequently in this church, and we will, we will do that again. That's not the focus of the teaching today, but we will do that again. That's one of God's commissions to me uh, to, to preach on and teach on faith frequently. Okay, so we will definitely circle back around to that. And then a fourth characteristic of remnant people is that they are people of the gathering. Now, what do I mean by that? What we're doing this morning. And not just what we're doing this morning, but small groups and getting together with, with Christian friends and, and growing in the Lord and challenging one another and, and gleaning from one another. They're people of the gathering. Now, those two scripture references that I have for you, Psalm 69.9 and John 2.17, both of those places said of the Messiah that zeal for your house will consume me. In Psalm 69.9, it's actually prophesying forward about the coming Messiah, and it said of him that zeal for your house will consume me. And then Jesus in John chapter 2, remember when he cleared the temple of all the money changers and what have you? And, and then it said of the disciples that they remembered that the Old Testament scriptures said of the Messiah that zeal for your house will consume me. So what is zeal? It's enthusiasm, it's passion, it's energy, it's bulldog determined commitment. A zeal for God's house. And not just a zeal to be here, but a zeal to get involved with people's lives. And a zeal, just like Jesus demonstrated when he cleared the temple, a zeal for the purity of worship, the holiness of God. Not some watered down, culturally manipulated type of church service, but one that represents the purity and the holiness of God. That's, that's the zeal that drove Jesus to do what he did when he, when he cleared the temple. He's like, I'm not going to put up with this. What, why, are you, why are you making my father's house a marketplace? My father's house will be called a house of prayer. And he cleared the temple and got a bit violent. Zeal for your house will consume me. So I want to say something to you right now. The Bible tells us that we need to be imitators of God. So I want to say something that you may have never thought of before, but that's if you want to be like Jesus, and that should be our goal, right? Being like Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, then zeal for God's house should consume you too. You also need to have a zeal for God's house if you want to be like Jesus, because he was our example. The Bible says he was our example. And zeal for God's, the Father's house, consume Jesus. It should us as well. And on that note, I want to talk about some of the trends that we're seeing these days where church attendance is concerned and relate that to our topic today. And see, the masses are no longer church-going people for the most part. And, and we'll look at some statistics on that point here in a moment. But uh, before we get to that, I want us to get Jesus' perspective on the masses that are out there. All right, so I'm going to reference here Matthew 9, verses 36 through 38. It says of Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had what on them? Compassion. Compassion. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Don't you just love the love and compassion of Jesus? And he goes on. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers or laborers, depending on what version you read, to send out workers into his harvest. That's Jesus' heart, to reach the masses, because he has compassion on them. Just like he had compassion on you and me when we were part of those masses. Okay? And among those masses today are people who truly do love Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but for whatever reason are not plugged into a church anywhere. And therefore, without the kind of guidance that they would be getting if they were plugged into a a good, Bible-believing, uncompromising, preaching and teaching church. Or they're simply going through the motions of attending a cultural church that doesn't really feed them much. But they're there because they feel like they have to be. They're there because they feel like they have to be, but they're not really growing much. You know, let me say this as kind of a side note. You know, some people have wrong criteria for why they attend a certain church, and uh, too often those standards are shallow. Like, for example, um, I've had uh, new people come to me who are checking out our church, and they'll ask about our youth program. That's a very high priority with some people, a, a dynamic youth program. And let me, let me just give you some insight. This is, again, kind of a sidebar here. But I'm not against youth programs, but I don't always think that they are what we think they are. I was raised in a church. My home church growing up had a dynamic, quote-unquote, youth program. And there's all kinds of stuff that went on in that youth group that the leadership didn't know about, our parents didn't know about, and it happened right there on church grounds. Because we send our kids to these youth programs thinking they're going to be okay, thinking that there's good oversight, and sometimes the youth directors are the predators. I've heard that too. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I've, I've heard stories where the, the youth ministers are predators. I've also heard other stories where Predators know that youth groups are a great way to infiltrate so that they can do what they do as sexual predators. Okay? So I'm not saying that youth groups are a bad thing. I'm just saying that we need to have different standards for why we evaluate a church. So what I say to people who are asking those kind of questions is this. Yes, we have a great youth program. It's a dynamic youth program. We have 20 youth leaders in our church. They're called fathers and grandfathers. So see, the church exists to help you parents to grow and to flourish and to be able to pass on wisdom to your children. Don't just drop your children off at a, at a church and a youth program thinking that the church is going to train them properly. You train them. Amen. You're their parents. You train them. Yes. And that's why you come to church to get trained and to, to get filled and to get strengthened. And then you're equipped to, to train and feed your children spiritually. Does that make sense? Yes. Praise God. So, you know, Because of personnel, because of the size of our church, we don't have all the bells and whistles of a dynamic youth program, but in a way we do, because we have parents and grandparents that are training their children because they come here and get trained. 
Making sense? Praise God. Or another criteria would be, well, I want a dynamic worship service, a dynamic worship team. And nothing wrong with that. Look, I'm a musician. I love music. I love dynamic worship. I love that stuff. But if push came to shove and I had to choose between dynamic worship and good, solid Bible teaching that challenged me, I'm going to take the teaching. And as a matter of fact, when Donna and I lived in Greenwood, when we uh, were up there, uh, we had a, a house church there for a while, and, and, um, and, and uh, we actually bounced around from church to church trying to find uh, a place that fit. And man, I, I don't know, we just could not find a place that seemed to be home for us because it was either they had a dynamic worship service and a great worship team, but pitiful preaching. It's just real shallow, real culturally, you know, just, I was like, wow. Um, or they had really good teaching, but kind of a clunky worship experience. So we, you know, we bounced around from church to church for a long time. We're like, okay, well, it's apparent that we're not going to be able to get both in this town. So we ended up at a little church um, that didn't even have its own building yet, met in a school, and uh, the worship was super clunky. The worship team wasn't very good, but it had great teaching. So I'm like, okay, this is where we're going to land. So the, the criteria needs to be on, am I getting fed? And am I getting fed well? Not necessarily the quality of the worship team. Because you know what? Let me tell you something. I've seen videos before of, of Chinese churches that are meeting in secret that their entire worship team is one guy on a guitar. And yet they worship so exuberantly. And that pleases God. We, in America, we've got to be entertained all the time. Okay, and, and again, nothing wrong with that, because you go to the Old Testament, the Bible teaches us to uh, worship with stringed instruments and all that, and so I'm definitely for all that. If you, if you have it to use, use it. But by the same token, if you have one versus the other that you've got to choose from, choose the teaching of the Word. Yes. Praise God. Verse 38, uh, what does verse 38 mean? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest, means that ask God to send people out into the world who will witness, who will share the gospel with people, to bring in more people. Okay, so good question. All right, um, you know, and on that note that I was making about criteria for evaluating churches, I find it interesting that... In the book of Revelation, Jesus had the harshest rebukes for some of the biggest churches. And yet he spoke comfort and encouragement to small churches like the one in Smyrna. So I'm going to give you an example of that right now. So let's look at um, Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5, which speaks to the church of Ephesus, which was the biggest church in the world at that time. Look at what Jesus says to that church. I have this against you. You have abandoned your first love. Therefore, keep in mind how far you have fallen. Repent and perform the deeds you did at first. But if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. That means the anointing I put on you, I'm going to take it away. That's what, that's what that means. Harsh words. But Jesus is so loving, he tells them in advance so that they have time to repent. So yes, even in biblical times, the church started to get off track and lose the proper focus. So let's see what Jesus said to the, the church of Smyrna, which was the, one of the smallest and poorest churches of that time. 
He said this, I know your affliction and your poverty, though you are rich. Now, what's he mean by that? He means that, that maybe economically and personnel-wise, um, and where their budget is concerned, they didn't really have all the bells and whistles and the big budget that some of the bigger churches did, although in Jesus' sight, they were rich. Because they were rich in faith, they were rich in good works, they were rich in faithfulness, they were rich in the presence of God. Okay? They were rich in probably missionary work, and, and on and on it could go. Jesus considered that church rich, and yet he considered some of these bigger churches that lost their proper focus, he considered them spiritually destitute. Let me qualify something. I don't mean to imply, please hear me, I don't mean to imply that every big church is an apostate church. I'm not saying that. There's a lot of great churches that happen to be big churches. And there's some small churches that are probably a little bit off track. Okay? But I am seeing a trend in this nation where in order to keep people in the seats and to grow great big massive churches, which let's, let's be honest, when you have a great big massive church, what's that do for the pastor's ego? Yeah. Yeah. It's very validating to a pastor's ego when the, the church is. So what they do, so not everyone, not, not everyone, but what a lot of churches do is they will water down the gospel, make it very palatable for just about everyone to keep people in the sea so no one leaves, so they big, build these big massive ministries that Jesus would call spiritually destitute. Having said that, you know, I, I want to reiterate, uh, one of my favorite pastors is Pastor Robert Morris. He has a massive church in Dallas. So there's some great churches out there that are, are doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. But I do see this trend in our culture today that the bigger, the better. Got to keep people in the seats. You know, I, you know anyway, I'm not going to go off on that. Um, so even in biblical times, the church did start to get off track and lose the proper focus. And today, I do believe that one of the reasons for the state of decline of the culture, ladies and gentlemen, is the decline of the church. Decline of the church. But I also believe that there is a remnant of God's people that he has set aside for himself who will not bow down to the influence of the culture, but will hold solidly and unashamedly to the word of God without wavering, even in the face of great opposition and persecution. Amen. And ladies and gentlemen, we are one of those churches. We are one of those churches. Praise God. See, we will not waver from God's word. Even if other churches and denominations are caving to the culture, we will not. Praise God. And that's a fifth characteristic, by the way, if you want to write this down, that's a fifth characteristic of remnant people right there, that we are people of no compromise with the world. See, we're James 4, 4 people. What's James 4, 4 say? It says that if you wish to be a friend of the world, you have made yourself an enemy of God. You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. See, that's the kind of preaching you don't hear in a lot of churches right now. Boy, some churches avoid James 4, 4 like the plague. But we have to understand, if you want to be a friend of the world, you have become an enemy of God. I'm just quoting the Bible. That's not the gospel of Andy. I'm quoting the Bible. 
1978, there was a, a wonderfully talented and anointed Christian artist by the name of Keith Green. And he came out with this album in 1978 called No Compromise. And I remember getting my hands on that album and being struck by the artwork on the front of that album. And it, it, if, if you can't see that real clearly, some of you in the back of the room, I'm just going to explain that scene there that you see on that album cover. There's a, a monarch, a king, that's being carried by a caravan. And as he's being carried by, all the people are bowing down with their faces to the ground, paying him homage and worship. And that's what a lot of cultures required back then. And yet there's this one man among all the people with their faces on the ground who's standing upright in the midst of all that because his attitude is, I bow to no one but Jehovah God. And there's that person right next to him that's, that's reaching up to grab him and saying, what are you doing? Bow down. Get down here. Because both of them knew that that could possibly cost that man his life or at least some terrible persecution with prison time, whatever the punishment happened to be. So I love the, the, that album cover and the message of it, No Compromise. Oh, that the church today would be a church of no compromise. Listen, folks, if you ever see me deviating from God's word, well, by the grace of God, you won't. I'll let all of you depart and leave me standing here preaching to only my family before I will ever cave to the culture and deviate from God's word. Amen. And because of that, I may not ever be a Christian celebrity type, but I'll have treasures in heaven. Amen. So listen, there's something that you can be doing as well. If you believe in what we're doing here at BLF, there's something that you can do to help other remnant people who truly want to find pasture um, to who truly want to be shepherded, rather. There's something that you can do to help other remnant people who want to be shepherded to find pasture. And that's by simply spreading the word about what God is doing here at Bless Life Fellowship. So, do you have Christian friends who are displaced and not in church right now? Yes. Invite them. Do you have family members who are disgusted with the state of their home church because it's become woke or whatever, or in some other way influenced by the state of the world? Well, ask them to come here. Amen. Now, this is a side note. Let me make a side note before I go on. I used to have, and kind of still do to a certain degree, the opinion that we all ought not be going out and inviting people who are plugged into other churches to come here. You know, right? Because... I don't want to do that to other pastors. I don't want people to do that to us, and I don't want to do that to other pastors. However, my thoughts on that are beginning to change a little bit because if someone is in a woke church that's compromising the Word of God, they need to get out of there. So if you know somebody that's in a church like that, ask them to come here. Because I know people that are like that. They're floating around. They're, they're, uh, they're trying to find a, a place to land that it's not compromising the word of God. And they can't find any place. That's why some people are, are displaced. Because they just can't find any place that teaches the word of God without compromise. Um, and they're disgusted with the state of their home church. If you know anybody like that, ask them to come here. Do you know people who have been hurt in church? Well, let them know what a loving environment we have. And ask them to come here and get loved on by God's people. You know, I know that 
Well, let me just say this. Uh, since the, the time I got my license at the age of 16, I've been pulled over and been ticketed a few times. And I had a heavy foot when I was younger. Um, and there are some police officers that were really nice and really kind, and some were jerks. Now, I could say, well, because those police officers that were mean to me were jerks to me, I just think that all police officers are jerks. And I just don't even believe in law enforcement anymore. No, of course not. I mean, you're going to find jerks. You're going to find people that rub you the wrong way and hurt you in every environment, in every setting, with all different kinds of people. Okay? Some of you have been hurt terribly in your families. Are you just going to, like, pull the plug on your family? You know, you're raising kids that sometimes speak very disrespectfully to you. What are you going to say? Get out. I'm, I don't want kids anymore because you hurt my feelings. Right? No. No. Some of you have been hurt at work many times. What are you going to do? Just like not work anymore? I don't believe in work anymore because I've been hurt. No. No, you've got to move past those things, right? The same is true in church. Ladies and gentlemen, come on. The same is true in church. As a matter of fact, let me let you in a little something that the Lord has taught me over the years. You know, the, the church is made up of many different kinds of people with many different kinds of backgrounds and all different kinds of maturity levels. And so God throws us all in the mix here in the church and expects us to get along. And sometimes sparks fly. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And sometimes you're going to ruffle each other's feathers and you're going you're to, you know, you're going to offend somebody and somebody's going to offend you. And God wants us to just grow up. And sometimes when, when you are being challenged in that kind of situation where you get hurt by somebody, you know what's happening? You're being tested. Your character is being tested. So just because you got hurt at church, why do people make church as the exception? Oh, I got hurt at church, so I'm never going back anymore. You don't treat your job that way. You don't treat your family that way. You don't treat law enforcement that way. Why do you treat church that way? God designed it this way, ladies and gentlemen. There is no perfect church. You know why? Because there's people in it. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, as you've heard me say before, <clears throat> if you do find the perfect church, don't go there, because as soon as you get there, it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> All right? So we just need to learn that there is no church where we're probably not going to get our feathers ruffled from time to time, and things are going to be challenging from time to time. That is God's design for your growth. As one man sharpens another, so, as iron sharpens iron, rather, so one man sharpens another. So, on that note, I want to emphasize that I know that we're not a perfect church. There is no such thing as a perfect church. But I do want to congratulate and thank you all for being the warm and loving people that you are. You know, I've heard over and over by visitors that they're so impressed by what a loving environment we have. And, and I'm so thankful to God for that. But there's another side to that. I also realize that the masses are not interested in biblical truth that challenges them and steps on their toes from time to time. All they want to hear are things that make them feel good about where they are right now. They don't, 
really want to be shepherded or pastored in the truest sense of what that term means. You know, the, the term pastor in the Greek uh, is the word poimen, and it means shepherd, someone who guides you and makes some course corrections sometimes. See, that's what people don't want. They don't want course corrections. Just, Pastor, I want you to get up on Sunday morning and spoon-feed me the word, and then I'm going to go home and do whatever I want. But a true shepherd, a true pastor is going to see and identify some problems and go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Are you sure you want to go in that direction? Are you sure you want to make that decision? Maybe you want to consider something else. People don't want to hear that sometimes. That's the culture that we live in. Don't tell me, don't confuse me with the facts. I just want to do what I want to do. And on that note, I want to read a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I want to thank Tammy Pennington for this quote because she, quoted, she uh, posted it on her Facebook page. Tammy, you post some great things. And, and uh, man, uh, when I saw this, I'm like, I've got to share this. So on this point that I'm making, Charles Spurgeon said this, if you really long to save men's souls, you must tell them a great deal of disagreeable truth. Did you get that? Let me read it again. If you really long to save men's souls, you must tell them a great deal of disagreeable truth. And for that reason, I know that, that many people will reject a church like this. It's for that reason that many people have rejected a church like this. They either don't like how enthusiastically we worship, or they don't like the length of our services, or they don't like me being as direct as I am about certain things. And folks, that's simply a sign of the times. Because 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And that's why the, Amer the, the state of the church in America is in such stark decline. You see... Many people prefer ritual over righteousness, comfort over conviction, and entertainment over introspection. Do you know what introspection means? It means to look inwardly and, and examine yourself and your motives and your actions and your thoughts inwardly. Introspection, it means to look inwardly. Many people prefer entertainment over introspection, comfort over conviction, and uh, ritual over righteousness. And for that reason, an increasing number of professing Christians in this nation um, are, are not in church at all. They've stopped going to church altogether, or they make it a very low priority. So let's look at some current numbers. Here's what I promised you. Let's look at the current state of America where churchgoers are concerned. Now, this is not the entire population in this pie graph right now. It's only churchgoers. People that say, yes, I'm a regular church attender. So let's look at what, what the real numbers are. 59% of people that say that they're churchgoers go at least once a week or more. 50, just a little over half. That's way, way, way down from where it was just a few decades ago. Only a little over half. Let's look at the rest of the numbers on that pie chart. 12% um, say they go three times a month. 9% say they go twice a month. 5% say once a month is how much they attend. 
and 15% say 10 times a year or less. No wonder Christians are in the state that they're in right now. They're not being fed or guided. And I guarantee you that someone that goes to church that little is not reading the Bible very often either. They seem to go hand in hand. If you have zeal for his house, you also have zeal for his word. <clears throat> and that's why you see as much junk going on in God's people today as you do people that are outside of the church. Because they're not trained. They're not living according to what we say we believe, for goodness sake. Because they're ignorant of this right here. They're ignorant of the word. Okay? It's, it's my mission, it's my calling to make sure that I cure that where you're concerned. But you've got to be here. You've got to be here. Okay? So even though these numbers represent an alarming trend in our nation today, I want to reiterate that, again, there is a remnant of God's people who are looking to find pasture in a good, Bible-believing and Bible preaching church like this. There's a remnant of God's, God's people who are looking for a church just like this. But folks, many people don't even know we're here. Did you know that? So I want to encourage you to help to build God's kingdom. Help me to build God's kingdom by at least being an inviter. Being someone who's on the lookout for people who you know could use a church like this and simply inviting them over and over if you have to. But beyond that, start thinking about ways that you can share the gospel with people one-on-one. -on -one. At the very least, and you can be very creative with this, but at the very least, use your social media pages to share things that will plant seeds. You remember that quote that I gave you a few weeks ago, a pastor whose name I don't recall, I'd never heard of him, prior to running across this quote, but it, he said, can you imagine what the, the Apostle Paul could have been able to accomplish with social media? <laughs> he would have been sharing the gospel and dropping truth bombs all the time, but yet most people waste that opportunity by wasting social media on themselves. They waste it on themselves. I'm not against you posting a few things about yourselves, but for goodness sake, take advantage of that tool and post some things that will plant seeds in people. But I want to warn you, don't be heavy-handed, don't be condemning, don't get in arguments with people, okay? Just plant seeds, just be salt and light, okay? That's what I'm asking you to do. But look, outside of social media, you need to make some relationships with people and share the gospel with people. Okay, And so here's the solution then to the, what Jesus called um, sheep without a shepherd, the masses who are like sheep without a shepherd. Here's a solution in Mark 16. Jesus speaking, this is the Great Commission. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, we've got to pay attention to the rest of this Great Commission because this is part of it. It's connected. Now, I know that not everybody likes this next part, but it's all connected. We've got, we got to take it all, right? Okay? Uh, uh, right? We've got to take it all. Okay, verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. 
They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will be made well. Or your version may say, and they will recover. Now, folks, this is not my message this morning, but, but we've got to be moving in that direction. The, if the Bible says this, and there's no indication that any of this passed away. There's, there's people in the world called cessationists who believe that all that miracle stuff and gifts of the Spirit stopped with the first apostles. There's absolutely no biblical or historical evidence of any of that. That's a lie. That's a, that's a heretical lie that some people have embraced because they haven't experienced these things. Well, just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean that other people's experiences aren't valid. I want to say that again. Just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean that other people's experiences aren't valid. That's intellectually dishonest to suggest that. Um, there's millions of Christians around the world who are walking in signs and wonders and driving out demons, speaking in new tongues, and, uh, and laying their hands on the sick and seeing the sick recover, and we are moving in that direction because we believe this. We're not where we want to be yet, but we're moving in the right direction. Praise God. All right, that was a total side note. But see, that's the solution. That's Jesus' solution to the masses right there. Jesus is concerned about the masses. His solution is you and me. Jesus' solution to people who are like sheep without a shepherd is you and me. So be on the lookout for people who you know are looking for pasture, those who need pasture, and work to get them connected. And on that note, I'll remind you, and this is another tool for you that we can make available. Uh, on that note, I'll remind you that we have a YouTube channel where segments of these sermons are archived. And there's a copy of that, that YouTube channel right there. Just go to YouTube and type in Blessed Life Fellowship. And that page right there will come up. There's short segments. They're, it's, it's a, they're videos. So you'll see me and Brent and whoever else is, is preaching. You'll see that recorded video on this YouTube channel. But they're just short, short segments. They're outtakes of the, uh, these teachings. And then if you want the full audio teaching, um, there's that page right there. If you go to blesslifefellowship.org, you can find the sermon button. It'll take you right to that page right there. You can listen to the entire audio. Uh, please share those things. Share those things, okay? And I want to end with this before I bring up a couple of people to share a couple of testimonies. Um, you know, we might, may not always uh, see it, folks, but God really is changing people's lives here at Blessed Life Fellowship. Did you know that? And I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that life change go beyond these walls. And you can help be a part of that. I want to see that life change that we've experienced here go beyond this, these walls. It's not just for you. It's for other people through you as well. So on that note, I want you to hear from some people today who God is doing just that with. Uh, people whose lives have been changed here. So I'm going to ask a couple of people to come up and just share their experience here. Not to, not to brag on our church, but to brag on God who is using the church to touch people's lives. So um, ladies first, Samantha, would you come up and share your experience first? And then Tom Schreiner, you'll be up next, brother. Yeah, Brent, come on up, buddy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Say what you want to say, because I have one of the books 
I should say everyone's used to hearing me, so I'm going to give Samantha a chance to do the speaking today. Um, but I do want to say, uh, just to get it started, that Pastor, your book, the most recent one, remind me the title. I've read it a couple of times. Discarded Treasures. Discarded Treasures on the Fivefold Ministry. So I'm sort of starting with the end in, in mind where I'm standing today. Uh, r unbelievable. You've heard me say this before. Just read God's word for what it is. Read and believe the words on the page. He does not fail. Well, the problem I had in all my life was I tried to reinterpret what I was reading to match my experience. But you know what? When I got a hold of the fact I just need to read his words, my experience changed to his reality. And praise God. So that's what we see here today. But pastor your book. I want to encourage you all to get the book on the, the reality of the fivefold ministry. Since I read that book, it's been a couple of months. The day after I finished reading it, signs and wonders, which I would call miracles, began in my life, and they've daisy-chained for the last two months. This led me to, to having conversations uh, with people that know ancient languages, Gaez and Ethiopia. I can't begin to bog down this testimony uh, with all that's happened, but I've had, I've had about eight continuous weeks of just connected signs and affirming wonders since that book has led me from one place to the next place, and I'm walking it by faith Amen. and not by sight. But I am a transformed person. Okay, so we were asked to keep this a couple minutes, so I'm going to... I should have known better, sorry. <laughs> so, we're fine. Okay. We're, we're more flexible than that. Yeah, go, okay. go ahead. <laughs> so I'm going to rewind a little bit um, to a few years ago. Um, the people you see in front of you today is not the people that we used to be a few years ago. Our day today was get up, go to work, come home, maybe have a meal, maybe not, go to the garage and drink eight to nine beers almost every night and a pack of cigarettes. Sometimes we go to church. Most of the time we did. Yeah, Saturday night we'd, we'd drink until one or two in the morning, get up and go to church the next day. Hmm. And it was just my body felt it. My, my, I was on all kinds of medications. Um, our, our family life was just non-existent. It was, it was not, we were existing is what we were doing. And then um, I would, I remember going to bed with my head spinning, praying, Lord, please, please take this. I don't want this. We don't want this for our family. But guess what? We'd get up and we'd do it again until one day, I don't, it's just, God is so good. One day, I woke up, gone, no alcohol, no cigarettes, no nothing. I'm on no medications now. Praise God. I, I'm just, it is, it is truly. <laughs> and it, and the same with, with Brent, you know, it, it's just, we, we have just been so blessed and um, then we also continued actually we started tithing and and money that we probably shouldn't have been giving we gave 
or I say probably shouldn't have been given, we, sh we probably didn't have the finances to, to cover the rest of our bills, but we gave. We gave in faithfulness. And since then, I have today a, a position where I work from home and, and make more money than I've ever made my whole life <laughs> and love the job. Brent is very blessed in his position. He also gets to, to um, mentor to younger men. And, and it's just, it's, our life is just a complete blessing now. And, and I'm so thankful. Praise so God. thankful for that. And I'm, and I'm thankful that my daughter is also walking in the word. Yeah. And, Amen. And she doesn't have a, a lot of memory of, of that stupidity. So thank God. Yes, yes. So what was the time frame on that? I mean, what began to happen after the, because I, I know a little bit of your testimony that mm -hmm. after you came here, some things began to shift. And what was the time frame on all that? Um, you're probably better with the time frame than I am. Well, don't give me that microphone because you're. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like 2019. Now, go ahead and speak in the microphone because yeah, we want you on the recording. It, it was 2018, and um, we were going through this syndrome that Samantha described to you, and I was reading the, the last few uh, words from Paul in 1 Thessalonians. I would not let go of God's word, no matter. He, I'd, already, I've, I'd tasted the goodness of God, and in, in my own defiance, I still wouldn't let go of it. But I came alive that night because he never stopped pursuing me. And he sent me a jolt of lightning, and our lives have not been the same since. Praise God. It wasn't, it wasn't too long after that that I found you, and you know the rest of that story. Yeah, praise and God. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Praise God. Tom Shriner, come on up here. Yeah, let, let me, Tom's going to speak first and then, yeah, you can say something. Tom? Hello. I started coming to church here back in uh, 20 and then left for two years because I was so bound up with fear, shame, you know, and continue going to the men's group. So what I wanted to really bring out about the church is how much we need each other. Yes. We have the privilege of ministering grace to one another. You know, in fact, I learned, and I didn't like this when I came to this realization, what I need is likely stored in one of you. You know, and I just wanted to be by myself. It was very self-centered, but you know, the, you know, you're let down by people, you're hurt, you're self-centered. You know, but what I've learned here is I'm beginning to learn how to love. You know, Jesus said, as I have loved you, love one another. Not just, it's not like ice cream, you know, or, you know, it's, it's love seeking not our own. It's love, it's a love that doesn't keep account of wrongs done. It's a love that when, when they look at a human being, they don't see things that irritate them. They see the way that God sees. And... <laughs> I love the foundation that are, is under my feet here, and I thank you for that. You know, I thank you guys. I thank the men's Bible study because my identity used to be in my past, my failures, you know, and also being a victim, you know, and, and, and it's not, I'm not, I don't get away with that in there. It's like a tag team. It really irritated me. <laughs> so that's not what the Word says. That's not who the Lord says you are. And, you know, and that's something God's really been pressing into me because it's difficult Faith, I think faith is a fight. It's called the fight of faith. If it was easy, it wouldn't be called a fight. To, to see ourselves as God sees us, because we can't see one another 
we can't love your neighbor as yourself. I have to love myself before I can love you. You know, and <laughs> I know my past, you know, but I know that redemption is perfect. And I, I, <laughs> I don't want to cry, but this is not my thing. When pastor asked me to do this, there was nothing in me that wanted to do this, but I want to, <laughs> no, but I want to bless. I want, I want you to be blessed. If you, to just take a step of faith and, believe, and to see yourself the way God sees you, then we'll begin to walk in that. You know, and I just thank the Lord for his perfect redemption. Yes. I thank the Lord that when I look in the mirror, <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done, but that's, it's no longer my story or my identity. You know, I have hope to love the way he loves. That's ridiculous when you read about the way God loves. It's, it, it's insane to believe that, but I believe it. It's by grace, you know, and I'm beginning to love people. You know, we need each other. Yeah. You know, and it's not by ability or talent or intellect. And it has nothing to do with how banged up you are from the past. It has to do with grace by faith. Yes. You know, the less qualified you are, the more qualified you are. That's what Paul said, and I'm beginning to learn that. I like it when I have no confidence in something because then I can just trust the Lord and wait to see what happens. Love one another. So that's my testimony that I've learned here, you know, and... I, mean, I just thank God for that. It, it, it means more, more than the creation, more than streets of gold, more than all the wonders of the universe that he came and died. You know, his love for me. You know, so that means everything to me. So, Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, So I just want to say about um, the Denny family. Sorry. So Lily was in middle school when we took her out of school. And then she wanted to go back to school, in, um, to, to regular school her freshman year. And I had prayed pretty much all of her life for, for God to bring a special friend to her, a godly friend. So freshman year, she met Samara. And to this day, they're the best of friends. They're sisters. And I've seen the Denny's grow. I'm so thankful to have them in our lives because they are precious, precious people. Yeah. And we love them dearly. And we thank them for taking such good care of our Lily. Whenever she's with them, I don't worry about her. I know she's in good hands. Yeah. It's all glory to God and to our prayers and to be inviters. We invited them to church, and I'm so happy they're here. Yeah, amen. Yeah, yep. Yeah. You see what can happen when you just simply invite somebody? I mean, uh, the, the Denny's have become a very, very integral part of our congregation. I didn't plan on, you know, making this kind of a, you know, a free-for-all, but I just asked a couple people to speak, but if uh, there's others of you that would that want to say something as, as well, I'm open to that. Crystal, are you okay to say something, or are you, or you want to just... Okay, that's, that's all right. I did ask Crystal to speak, but Crystal's had a tough week, so yeah, Bill, you're next. Come here, you're, you're okay. Love you. Thank you, baby, too. 
I just kind of wanted to tell how I came to Blessed Life. Um, about three years ago, the father was chasing after me. Um, to make a long story short, I started looking for churches and just kept hitting brick walls. I felt like a person in a pew. Um, nobody really welcomed me in like this church did and loved on me like you guys did, and I thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> So one day I was driving home from work in my car and I listened to Bridge FM music and uh, there was a pastor on there and I was just drawn to his word. And um, I went home, looked up his website and we started having conversations back and forth. That was you, Pastor. <laughs> and uh, so I decided to come to church and just from the first day of coming here, there was just an overwhelming presence of the Lord. And um, I kept coming back. Um, I turned my life over to God and got baptized. And even though I have a lot of, well, nerves, <laughs> a lot of nerves and a lot of things that's gone on, my mom passing away this year, divorce, um, my son is active addiction, and just life in general, it's been rough. And, um, but there's been an overwhelming peace and joy and can't explain it. And God spoke of that in the Bible. You just can't explain it. And uh, I mean to a point where I've said, God, why am, I, why am I happy? You know, why am I okay in all of this? And, uh, you know, I thought I was crazy there for a while. But again, so thankful and so grateful for my church. I just, I love you guys. Love you. You're my family. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Um, so we can end right there. Or if anybody has something that you want to. Oh, yeah, Bill. Come here, brother. Um, so, Bill, um, you just uh, re recover. I mean, I'm amazed that you're here today because you're in the hospital for like three days, and four, four five days, and here he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Thank you for your prayers. Yeah, I. Sorry for the Denny's. I wanted to thank them and everybody that was in here. Um, be honest with you, right now I could be could have been in heaven today, looking at Jesus instead of looking at you guys. Uh, it started off, actually, past couple of weeks. Uh, we'll just go back to June, July 3rd. Uh, I had symptoms of a heart attack to start off with. Um, something told me to go see the doctor. I had pain in my head, my jaw, down to my arm, all the way down. I went to prompt med, they immediately took me back to the room, called an ambulance, went to CRH, CAT scan, uh, MRI, physician came in, physician assistant said, we called an ambulance, called in the hospital, they said, you have no choice, you're going to the hospital up in Indianapolis. They said that my aorta and my neck had was blocked, and they said that Fistulars, little tubes had grown out, looked like a tree. Uh, they said I had no choice. They said they were sending me right away to an ambulance, so that's what had happened. <laughs> uh, get up there, neurology department up at St. Vincent's. So I had procedure done Tuesday. They, I had people, all kinds of prayers going on. Everybody here was praying for me. Uh, so the procedure happened Tuesday, and it took an hour and a half. All kinds of hair being ripped off of me. 
Uh, I had all kinds of veins being stuck into. I had veins collapsing left and right in my arms. Uh, I have all kinds of bruising in weird places. Anyway, they angioplastic. I got up there, up in this area, little camera angioplastic balloons. They said they got up in there. There's absolutely no blockage whatsoever. Wow. So absolutely none. So I, I give God all the praise because of your prayers. They said they couldn't believe it. They said there was no blockage. Wow. So that was, that was an absolute miracle. And Jesus was talking about that, what, a couple weeks ago? About prayer and what God can do. Yeah. So I give God all the glory. Praise God. Guys prayer. So Ooh. you were talking about, about that. Yeah. So you were talking about things like that. And so, I mean, I just give God all. I mean, I could have been in heaven today if it wasn't here for your prayers. I mean, I'm, no, and I'm happy to be here because I know God's got a lot more for me to do here. Yeah. You know, I'm not ready to go yet. <laughs> you know, I'm not ready to go yet. I'm too young. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh. I just, I just think, I wanted to thank everybody. Um, so, I've got too much living to do here. Yeah. Amen. So, so. Praise God. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for your prayers for him. And you're a walking miracle. You're a walking miracle. Absolutely. Praise God. All right. I'll, uh, I'll take one more. Um, and then we're going to adjourn. If there's anybody else, and if there's not, that's okay. We'll move on. Anybody else just have, have a testimony that you want to share and what God's done here since you've been here? Anybody? Bueller? No? Yours would be too long. And you haven't even been here that long. Um, do you want to keep it to two minutes? Okay. Uh, I know you, Elliot. That is a challenge. <laughs> Hey, everybody. So I was asked to come here uh, by my good friend, Sean, uh, really a brother. Um, and he'd been starving for a place to be fed um, the word of God and just be fed all of the things that are provided here. Um, and by provided, I don't mean the free waters and stuff. Um, I mean what's being provided for your heart and for your soul and for your salvation. And um, not that this man was not uh, walking with the Lord, but there's a certain situations um, that led him to not go to church very often. And I came up to visit in March of last year, or, excuse me, of this year. And I just kind of assumptively said, well, it's Sunday. Where are we going to church? And he said, well, we don't really go to a church on a regular basis. But we have, it's been on my heart to go to this place called Blessed Life. It's just, the Lord's been calling me there. I said, well, let's go. So we went. And... I came here knowing that I was planning on moving to this area. And so I was kind of church shopping, like, like uh, Pastor Andy was mentioning. And I felt the presence of God in this place in a way that I have not felt and that I have been, I personally have been starved for. And I know that he felt it as well. And since then, we've been able to, I don't know how to say it. Um, well, actually I do. We've been um, like the biggest uh, uh, I guess you could say cheerleaders um, or uh, inviters, uh, you know, since, since that first experience here um, in March. And I then went back to Florida where I was living at the time and 
had to get a few things in order, move back up here, and I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get back here. And, and the day that we came here, Brother Brent was, was, um, was here, Andy was out of town, and the greeters said, hell, gosh, you guys came when we're not even at full strength. You know, we're not, we don't even have our, our full, we don't have the worship band here, and all this, and I said, great. That's exactly what I want to see. I want to see you when you when you think you're at your you know not at full power. Well, let's see let's see what's happening. And like I said, I felt the presence of God in such a big way, it just smashed me. But in a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way. And you know, uh, some people have made comments on you know the way that I'll cry and worship and stuff. That doesn't happen unless I unless the presence of God is there. You know, um, and. Not saying anything bad about some other churches, but I have been to some where I don't make a big scene, but I'll, I'll kind of get up and just walk out if the presence of God's not there. Um, and there hasn't been a single time or a single person that I've interacted with here where the presence of God was not leading that conversation or leading that sermon or leading that word. Um, I've only been to one men's Bible study, and it was tremendous. And I just look forward to getting to know all you better. <laughs> and thank you for being here. Thank you, Thank you, All right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up. I think that was great, guys. Thank you. Um, yeah, and just, just be like the, uh, you know, like what Elliot was saying and what, the, what Sharon was saying. Be inviters because you never know what's going to happen in somebody's life, Right? So anyway, I appreciate your patience today. We've gone a little longer than usual because uh, of the testimonies, and that's great. So, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate you all speaking and uh, being able to contribute to uh, the, the ministry today. So thank you so much for that. Would you please stand with me as we get ready to pray? You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.